Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Mayor Greg Fisher podcast. I am Greg Fisher. Uh, from day one of my administration, we focused on public safety, obviously, as the top priority uh, for the community. And there's no question that both here in Louisville and across the nation, uh, policing is at an inflection point. There were high-profile incidents in 2020, obviously the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis, Ahmaud Arbery's killing, and then our very own Breonna Taylor, the tragedy here in Louisville as well. All that led to protests that rocked some 2,000 cities across America. Louisville was one of the spotlight cities during that time because of Brianna's death here in our city. And what we saw was uh, racial justice protests, civil unrest, unlike what we've seen since the 1960s of people saying things have got to change. Uh, there's been way too much uh, progress with policing has been way too slow over the years and it is time for reform and accountability and improvement. And we're proud, and proud to say that our city leaned into it, uh, from protesters to our police department, uh, certainly my administration and others to say we can do better and we will do better. So I want to thank uh, our protest community. I want to thank our police officers and everybody working together to make a stronger police department here. We, the chief and I provided a public safety update uh, to the community in the early days of September, uh, just so that they can be aware of the 150 different reforms that are underway within LMPD, the establishment of civilian review bodies to remind people of all the work that have been done around this, and the investment in non-public safety efforts through our Office for Safe and Healthy Neighborhoods as well. In the midst of all this, we anticipate the uh, Department of Justice, their report will come out sometimes and they're not telling us when, so it could be days, it could be months, we're not quite sure, but their typical investigation takes somewhere from 13 to 18 months and we're certainly in that window right now. So uh, we anticipate those coming out and we want people to understand what all we've been doing just to increase public community input, trust, et cetera. So on this episode, Chief Shields and I are going to talk about those 150-plus reforms we're making, some of them, and also the steps LMPD and Metro government in tackling this challenge from a whole-of-government standpoint. So welcome, Chief Shields. Thank you, Mayor. Good to be with you. So Thank what's you. kind of your overall thoughts on where we're at these days? Well, so I think um, to I echo, obviously, much of what you're saying, and I, we recognize that the DOJ was conducting an, an investigation, but regardless of what their findings are, we know that we have work to do within L LMPD. And so we have spent the last year and a half that I've been here trying to address the numerous areas that we knew needed fixing or addressing. Um, the Hilliard-Heinz report that was published in early 2021 um, really provided a solid roadmap for myself and the department to make some critical organizational changes. And that has really served as the, uh, the guiding document, if you will, for us as we're, we're moving the department forward. And just a reminder to our listeners, the Hilliard-Heinz report uh, was commissioned by my office after the Breonna Taylor tragedy to try to get a better understanding of the strengths and weaknesses of our police department. I've always felt like audits are important uh, to understand where our weaknesses and where our gaps are in performance. So strong organizations don't have any problem identifying those and then get to the, get to the job of fixing those. We had been using President Obama's, the White House's 21st Century Policing Task Force guidelines. We'd had several other major police chiefs visit us over the years to make sure we're on track 
uh, with what we're doing with LMPD. The Breonna Taylor tragedy took place. So we said, let's do a formal top to bottom review. That was Hilliard Heights. So when Chief came then, obviously she had a roadmap to go ahead and start changing the police force. We wanted to bring in a reform-minded uh, chief such as uh, Chief Shields here. So as you, as you said, it was a great roadmap, if you will, and we're not waiting around for the DOJ to release their report for us to get to work. And when they release their report, obviously we'll go to work on any open areas as well. But just this past week, we updated the community on the American Rescue Plan funded reforms and whole of government approach to public safety, organizational changes at LMPD, tactical and procedural changes, training changes, accountability changes, transparency, improving officer working conditions, technology investments, and then new community engagement efforts in addition to the money that we've put into the prevention and intervention areas, primarily through the Office for Safe and Healthy Neighborhoods. So you can read more or see more about those details at a virtual community forum uh, where we went through that in detail just a couple of days ago on September the 10th. And if you missed the forum, it's available on my Facebook page as well as Metro TV's YouTube page. So it's a lot, Chief. So uh, I want to thank you and the team for your sense of urgency moving into all of these yep. areas of accountability and improvement. So why don't you give us a little reflection on your time here? You didn't waste any time to get started on all this. And no, where and are we at now? No, thank you. And I mean, you know, I think that the, the first thing is that we, we knew that we had to make changes. And so it's, it's really, it's not about just focusing in on one area and thinking that that's gonna make a difference. We had to look at it um, holistically. And some of the changes are um, structural. And one of the things we've really embraced is, especially in the areas of training, is bringing in individuals who are from the civilian sector who are professional academ academics. Um, we really want their eyes on our course curriculum development um, how we're instructing, because that—that's the—that—that that is the, the foundation of the entire organization is the instruction that and guidance that we're providing recruits. And so we've—I'm uh, really happy that we've hired a co-police academy director, Dr. Issing, who is um, a civilian and has authority. She's and that's the key is we can't just have these folks come in and. Um, isolate them. They have to have a seat at the table. We've hired a number of auditors and the goal of the auditors is to look at body-worn cameras, in particular body-worn camera footage, and to, to assess how we are performing. Um, I think technology has historically in the last, at least the last 20-25 years, been used very in a very savvy manner to fight crime. But what we have to do is we have to use technology to also do a better job of assessing our performance and make it in, more inward focused. The American Rescue Funds have really helped us in this area, so we've been able to turn some of this technology so that we can constantly assess and audit our own performance. Um, we're reviewing all the policies to, to make sure that, do have we removed anything in the policies that do not guide us to the direction of de-escalation? That can't just be a, a term that we coin, we truly, all of our teachings have to be around de-escalation and making a situation safer by avoiding the use of force to begin with. So we have a number of uh, undertakings in motion. And I think what I just really need the community to understand is we're not waiting on a report. We're doing this is because it is the correct thing to do. 
and the department is committed to being a department that the community as a whole is proud of and feels confident in. And that, that means we have to drive this. And, th and that is what we've been focused on the last 18 months. Well, and let's talk a little bit about the size of the police department. Uh, we've, we're making plenty of non-law enforcement investments, mm -hmm. but it's no secret that uh, law enforcement is having challenges with recruiting these days. So what's the reaction from our officers toward the work we're doing right now? And then what are we seeing with our recruiting pipeline? Right. So, I mean, what we can't ignore while all of this is going on is we're dealing with um, violent crime and gun violence across the U.S., unfortunately, is it is it some of the, the highest levels it's been. Um, there's just such an availability of illegal weapons. And it's really hard as law enforcement to combat that, in the, uh, especially with the, quite honestly, the lax gun laws in many states. So yes, we need police and we need, we need police to stay with the department as opposed to jumping around. We're, we're investing in them. Um, and they're getting seniority. We need that talent to stay here. So I say thank you to you, the administration and the council for passing a really, a very substantial pay raise um, in the last year that made an enormous difference in us being able to retain talent and hire new talent. So our hiring is improving, uh, absolutely. Um, we're, what I think that the community and I need them to understand is Policing took a hit, obviously, in 2020, and the brand is not what it was. We have to rebrand ourselves. Um, there's a lot of wariness in some sectors about becoming an officer. And I think that LMPD needs to take ownership of that it has to rebrand itself to be desirable to police applicants, more w widely desirable. And I think that we're absolutely working on that. That being said, our hiring is improving. Um, the department is working hard. They've, they've worked hard since the day I came here. They want the community to be proud of them. They're proud of the job that they do. We have good people. We just, we have work ahead of us. And, but we've also done a huge amount of work. Yeah, and just yesterday, September 12th, we sworn 20 new officers. We did, yes. We've got a recruit class underway right now, I think of around 40 officers we, or so. Yes, it's, it's increasing and we're, we're getting absolutely quality candidates. I'm thrilled with the folks that we're getting. We're not lowering the standards. That's, that accomplishes no, nothing. That just creates problems down the road. Um, so we're gonna get there. And I noticed with some of the, like the Accountability Improvement Bureau, if you wanna talk about that, that, you're, that we're hiring more civilians than we have before. So what's, what's that all about? Right, so I, what we're trying to do is, especially um, in the area of the, uh, the training academy, is we're hiring curriculum writers. These are professional educators that can look at our course curriculum and look at it through the lens of is this curriculum aligned with where we are where we are in the US today? It's not just so police centric. Is it are we are we really focused on de-escalation in all the ways that we can? Having the professional educators look at the instructors that we we, we have um, to ensure that we're we're leveraging the best teaching methods. We're police, and we need we need professional academics looking at how we are instructing. So that is that is really critical. Um, within the the auditors that we've hired are all civilian. We don't 
first off, I don't want to take officers off the street and put them in an admin assignment. You don't need a, a gun and a badge to be an auditor, but we're also having people who are professional and have uh, are skilled in the area of analytics because the ideally what the auditing position does is we're identifying deficiencies and or rooms for improvement ahead of time. I don't want it to be a punitive area. I want it to be, okay, how can we improve performance because we're, we're identifying gaps perhaps in our training, gaps in one officer's training. Let's help them, um, let's help them improve on their performance and give them real-time feedback. So it's really creating metrics that help the employee improve their job performance. Let's talk a little bit about the law enforcement priorities right now. Uh, you know, back in the day, I was always trying to get dope off the street, and that led to all kind of side effects. Is that still the the mission and the priority area of policing? No, I don't. I've I I have not subscribed to um, pursuing drugs for for years, and and the reason is what ends up happening is you can you it's it's very a very scattershot approach when you do that and you may get someone who's just using drugs which although i personally do not use drugs the reality of it is as a country we're sending a very mixed message right now with it being legal in some states and not in others the primary reason we're focused exclusively on violent crime and gun violence is because that is that is the driver of chaos within our communities and so by having our employees focused on illegal guns, what we're effectively doing is we're impacting violent crime. And in, you will also, with that, you will be arresting those individuals who are trafficking and bringing drugs into your neighborhood. They, they go together. Um, and so we really have uh, made our efforts uh, focused on illegal guns, illegal gun seizures, uh, known violent repeat offenders, we're utilizing um, much, much intelligence, open source data, um, analytics, uh, prior convictions, prior gang-associated crimes to focus on those individuals that we know are driving the crime. What I don't want is you, you just cannot be out there just doing a, a traffic stops and stop and frisk, and that serves nothing. That doesn't. You're not going to drive down violent crime, and you're just going to further alienate the community. So our focus is very, uh, our focus is very deliberate. It's very intentional, and it's um, it's it's the way that I think policing has to go. Paul, let's talk a little bit about the areas outside of policing. So, how does LMPD work with the balance of metro government when we talk about whole of government response right. to public safety? So one of the the struggles that law enforcement has had is for the last, I've been in policing for 25 years, is there's really been a tendency to just say law, law enforcement will fix it, let law enforcement handle it, whatever the problem is. And, and that's how we've ended up being on the front lines of addressing uh, homelessness issues or dealing with individuals who have underlying problems, mental health problems, socioeconomic problems. And it's okay for law enforcement certainly to have a role and a space within this area, but they should not be running point on it. And we have been running point on so many things that are not law enforcement specific for years. And it's really important that when someone calls 911 
and they have a family member who's having a, a, a mental health crisis, that there be something available beyond just sending the police there. And so um, I'm really, I'm, I'm thrilled that in the last year that under your administration with the approval of city council, the city has appropriated a sizable amount of money to programs that directly address and support these areas. Um, one of the ones that I'm most confident about is the um, 911 diversion program. So if an individual calls 911 and maybe there's a family member having a crisis or there's a homeless person acting out in an area downtown, the 911 center can dispatch a, a police officer if they see fit but the mental health professionals who are employed by 911 more likely will dispatch a caseworker, someone who's trained in this area, um, to go out and handle the call. And that's huge. Um, but to do that, there have to be the resources to do that. And that's where this investment over the last year is, is so important to changing the trajectory of policing. You know, we often say that reducing violence needs the whole city. And I'll say the most important asset that the police department has is our community. Yes. So for people listening to this here today, what kind of avenues do they have to help the police department help help the city with our public safety efforts? Oh, for sure. I mean, the police are, we don't, the, the police should not, there has to be a partnership. We cannot do this on our own. Governments cannot do this on its own. And the community has to be engaged, um, to be involved know who your city council people are, know who your judges are, vote. Um, get involved with our community groups. We have a police activities league that we reach out to, to young folks. Um, we have a, a youth advisory council which involves young folks. If you have someone you wanna, um, think you think should belong to that. Everyone has a role, but you have to be willing to you have to be willing to set aside time and be deliberate, deliberate in your engagement with government. And um, I think it's a mistake if you just think that things are just going to take care of themselves. Well, we'll close with that. You know, I frequently say the role of a citizen is to take care of themselves so they can take care of their family, uh, have a good value add to their employer or their employees if they're the owner. And then third, do nothing or do something for which you expect nothing in return for your city, for your state, for your country, and that's what citizenship's all about, and that's the backbone of our democracy. So for people saying, ah, that's not for me, or that's not my job, your job as a citizen includes helping the city. And the day we forget that is the day our democracy dies, and obviously that's something that none of us wants here, and we're in a time of political tribalization, so we can all come together regardless of what our political perspectives are and create a better city. So we need your help in any way that you feel fits with your passion and there's plenty of ways to hook in with LMPD as well. Thank so you. Chief, we appreciate the good job that Thank you're you. doing. Look forward to safe days ahead. And for everybody, thanks for joining the Mayor Greg Fisher podcast. <laughs>